All right, now I'm gonna try to hurry. I know I've been preaching long, and and I really try not to. So I'm gonna try to stay on it and and get through it. But I sure want you to listen. This here is important stuff. I know you say it all the time. It really is. If you only knew how important this was. But let's read Genesis chapter three, verses one through eleven. This is very familiar to all of us, but it uh, we're going to read it. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made, and he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of the of every tree of the garden. Below down the devil, he always switches words around. God told them they could eat of all, every tree of the garden except one. And the devil worded it, framed it, did God really say, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. See the word trick? It's kind of like, you know, anti-abortion or uh, pro-choice. See? Kind of like that. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. So he called God a liar. And he said, Nothing's going to happen to you. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, kept looking at it, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons, and they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou was naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? So, there we, there we have it. Now, in our study here of spiritual warfare, we're digging, in, we're digging out the roots and trying to expose the devil for who he is and sin for what it is and, and how he is able to get in the door of our heart and mind. It's very important because everybody's ignoring all of this. They're blabbing about all kinds of other fantasy stuff about sin and why you do it and what how it happens and the consequences of it. And they're not telling anybody the truth about what's going on. Now what I'm going to preach tonight here, I don't think anybody would disagree with it, but they're just leaving it out. Other preachers, the church in general... Now, when we look at the Scriptures we, that describe what happened in the beginning, which we just did, we can see the devil's way of tempting and deceiving all people. He hasn't changed one point in his strategy ever since then. He does it exactly the same. And every time I read that simple-sounding story 
I see more deeply into what he is and what he's about and how he goes about it. I can look at myself. I can look at people around me. I can look at my life experience. And buddy, I, I know what he's up to. I know how he does it. The thing is, we've got to know that before we can do anything about it. Before we can resist the devil, we've got to know what he's up to. Now, the devil starts by questioning moral issues. Get that one. That's how he always enters into your mind and then into your spirit and soul and into your life and affects your life. He always comes into your mind by questioning moral issues. What's right and what's wrong? According to God, not according to man. We don't make up our own morals. People do it. Everybody does it, but it, that, they do not count. What I say is right or wrong, in my opinion, is worthless. God hath spoken, and that's it. That's, where, that's the standard. That's where we judge from. That's, that's what matters, what God says. Now, the devil starts by questioning moral issues. And again, remember that all this conversation that takes place in the privacy of your mind between you and the devil, it all happens secretly in your mind. That's right. yes. It could be going on right now. In this place, in somebody's mind sitting here, probably is. And, but the rest of us don't know it, see? You believe it's all yourself. It's just you thinking and reasoning things out. But there's actually two conversing in your mind. You and the devil, or a devil. Amen. That's just how it is. Since all uh, morality has as its foundation the Word of God, the devil necessarily must suggest that you question the Word of God. Is that what he said to Eve? What was the first thing he said? His opening line for the conversation with her was, Yea, hath God said... Yeah, has God said? Does the Bible say that? You sure that's what it means? At first, he doesn't suggest that God's lying. Remember that. <clears throat> Devil's not going to come at you with that. First. That's not the way he enters in. He's more subtle than that. He's going to come at you with just making you think, making you question what God has said. Well, look for some more opinions. Look for what some other men have said about what God said. See if it'll change your mind, change your concept of what's right and wrong and about this issue that whatever it is before your mind. Everybody's got their own sins which doth so easily beset them. And that's what we're talking about. <laughs> uh, at first, he doesn't suggest God's lying, but only that you maybe misunderstood what he said. So in order to be a reasonable person, you think yourself more righteous and noble if you just question a moral command that God has laid down carefully in his word. You think you're, you're more noble and more intelligent I mean, you're not going to be just a fool. 
just believe something because somebody else said it. If God said it, you better believe it. No matter who it is that told you that God said it. You got a book you can read? Read it for yourself. <laughs> the Brands went on and searched the Scriptures to see if those things were so. And they were commended for that. And you would be too. You ought to go home and search the Scriptures. See if what's said here is right. If it is what God says. And so in order to... And, and all the while... Your eyes are fixed on the object in question and your heart attaches itself to that object and desire is introduced into your reasoning about it. Y'all get me there? All the time the devil's saying, you sure God said that? And then you're thinking about that. And while you're thinking about it, you're looking at that fruit, that object, whatever it is that you, that the devil's arguing with you about. Is it? You've, you've always thought it was wrong, but now maybe it ain't wrong. Maybe it's not wrong for me. Maybe it's not wrong all the time. And all the time you're thinking that and debating with the devil about it, you got your eye on it, thinking about it. And you know what happens? Desire rises in your heart. And your heart attaches itself to this thing, this object. And then that starts affecting your reasoning because you want it. Yes, sir. You don't think that affects your reasoning? <laughs> it's going to affect your reasoning. The heart is going to win the battle against the mind. And after the lust of your heart as is has conceived. That's what James chapter one says. When lust hath conceived, it brings forth sin. Sin when it is finished brings forth death. Every time. So when the lust of your heart has conceived this distorted version of the truth, the devil will flat out call God a liar. Ye shall not surely die. You can do this. Ain't nothing gonna happen. Just cause your mom and dad told you, just cause you've always heard that, just cause the Bible says you can do it. Everybody else does it. Look at everybody else doing it. See them dying? No, they just told you that because they don't, they don't want you to have what they have. God, you shall not surely die. For God does know that in the day that ye, that, the day that, the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Wow, there's so much I could say right there, but I said I'm going to try to hurry, so I'm going to hurry. You shall not surely die, said the devil. There will be no consequences, or the consequences will be totally different than what you've been led to believe. Now that's the devil's strategy. He did it in the garden. He still does it right now. 6,000 years later, he still does it exactly the same way because it works for him. This is how we have come to know good and evil. All of us. All of us here. We came to know good and evil the same way. When we all knew good as soon as we were born, by the comfort, by the nourishing, by the love and the tenderness with which we were handled by others. Yes. A newborn baby knows good because he is cared for, loved, nourished, protected, cherished, 
You don't throw him around like a football. You don't. He's taken care of. Now, in a generation like we're living in, that's not always true. But Adam and Eve knew good. They knew God. The fellowship of God. His very presence. To have fellowship with Him in the cool of the day. God would come and visit with them. Everything was good. They didn't, Eve didn't have to cook. She didn't have to do laundry. Didn't have to do anything except just reach up and take it off the tree. Because the trees of the garden provided their food. After that, things drastically changed. They had good. Now the devil said, if you know good and evil, oh, it'll be much better. You'll be like God's. Your eyes will be opened. But boy, he was a liar. Because their eyes were open, but it wasn't good anymore. They were ashamed because they were naked. And they ran and hid. And that's the way life became for them from that time on. They knew good, and now they know evil. It's kind of the way it was with my kids. I didn't want them to know evil. For as long as I could, I tried to keep them innocent and undefiled. And then you got people nowadays that says, well, in the world, you better just let them learn. They're going to learn anyway, so they'll let a six-year-old kid watch pornography or something. Fools. Wicked. We all knew good as soon as we were born. But as we grew and matured, we realized there was another choice available for us. And we took it before we knew what we were doing. As children, we found that we could get away with something other than good sometimes, even with the best parents. <laughs> Y'all listening. This is how it works. I'm telling you how it works. And I don't know who else will tell you this. They got a different version of how things happen and why it happens. And all the while they're singing that song, the devil is wrecking havoc in homes and children and in a whole generation here. There comes a time in our life when we're faced with the ultimate choice. We got to admit that we're a sinner and we've got to, and that we're at odds with God, we're at enmity with God, and we've got to turn from our sin and yield our life to God and be born again, or we've got to reject God and continue in our sin to have our own way. You if you're faced with that choice. I mean you the good and the evil and all that, but it comes to a pinnacle in your life. There's a point where you're faced with this choice. And you got to make it. What did you do when you came to that point? Have you watched other people as they came to that point in their life and made that choice? And they made it the wrong way. Or the right way. Have you noticed that that is a fact and a reality of life? Now, if we hope to prevail against the devil for our own heart and our own mind and soul and spirit, 
and for that of our children and be able to help anyone else caught in his snare if we hope to prevail. We got to fight this fight with this knowledge and understanding of the devil's devices. It's in the very beginning of your Bible. The very beginning of the whole revelation of God. God reveals this to us. Just what He does. We are not ignorant of His devices. We're not. So we know how it works. So that's what we've got to fight with. That knowledge. We got to realize that everyone is continually presented with choices between good and evil, even your children. Even children, maybe especially children. Think about that for a minute now. Just let that soak in for just a minute. Maybe it's especially children. They always have a choice. They have a choice for you know they have a choice. They're already figuring out other things to do before you even know they know anything about it. And I've had kids and I've wondered where in the world did they learn that, hear that? Where did that come from? We've all said that about our kids. Before we even had any idea that they knew, thought that way, or had entertained any kind of thoughts, had any knowledge of that, there it is. Did you ever wonder? Well, as soon as their ability to reason begins to develop, the devil is there to influence their mind. You, can, you better believe that. That's why we lose them. Because we skip, we miss. We're asleep while the enemy's sowing tares. And then we wake up when they all sprout up and there they are and they're tares. And we say, what happened? I went to church. I took them to church. I taught them the Bible. I prayed. I, I thought everything was okay. No, we were asleep. And ignorant of his devices. Because somebody else singing us some other song about it. Since they have no real knowledge of evil, they're very vulnerable to the lies he presents to their minds. So what made Eve vulnerable. She didn't know. You know. Think about it. So they're vulnerable. They're choosing in their little minds before we even know what is going on. What are they choosing between good and evil? They're choosing which way this thing works. We're telling them one thing. They're hearing it from other people one way, but some way, somehow, somebody, some devil, some spirit speaks to their mind. Well, we don't know what's going on in their mind. We're always surprised at these little bitty ones and what goes on in their mind. Yes. And you know, we've sat and watched like Ada, she's been real quiet, you know, and she'd stare a hole in you all these two years now. And now she's starting to talk. Yes, sir. Now she'll tell you what she thinks, what she's thinking. We were wondering before, now she'll tell you. Same way with all of them. I've watched them as they're little bitty and they can't talk, and I said, well, They'll tell you soon enough what they're thinking. They're already thinking way long before you hear it come out of their mouth. 
Oh, think about that. If they can reason and think in their minds before they can speak it with their mouth, they're vulnerable. They're vulnerable. So, we, what, what can we do to practically deal with this matter and resist the devil? I'm not just going to say a bunch of stuff here. I'm going to tell you just exactly what we need to be doing. First of all, we've got to be awake and aware of the presence of the enemy and realize that he has access that we cannot completely stop no matter how hard we try. You better realize that you ain't bigger than the devil and you can't out with him and you can't outmaneuver him with your carnal weapons and your intellect and your high IQ and all the book learning that you got. And you can't go find some other ministry or man or woman to help you and give you that knowledge and that ability to do it. He's gonna outdo you. Now you better be aware of that. You can't Keep him completely out, no matter what you do. Man, <laughs> I've been fighting this fight a long time. And I remember when our older kids were little. And we didn't even, we had no TV. I mean, we had a little 12-inch black and white TV with rabbit ears out here in the middle of the boondocks. And if you put up the rabbit ears, you could turn it on and, and you could hear the weather or something on Channel 12, but you couldn't see it. It was just... <laughs> so we didn't watch stuff. But Seth would go to Christian school, and he could come home, and he could tell you line for line, because he always had a memory like that, of some movie that was on TV last night. That the kids at church watched, and, they, and that's what Recess was about, was reciting all the... And it just bugged me to death. You know, what in the world? How are we going to stop this? Well, you just can't stop it all. That's not the way we fight the devil anyway. Now, we should watch. Yes, I'll set no evil thing before my eyes. We ought to keep our home as clean as it can be and keep those influences away as much as we can. But don't be so dumb as to think that you're going to be able to Make it that way. Because you're not going to make it that way. While you're looking this way, He's going to come in that way. It's just the way we are. We don't have eyes in the back of our heads. And we're not omnipresent and all-knowing and everything else. We're not! So we got to be aware and awake of the presence of the enemy. And realize that he has access we can't completely stop. We cannot sleep or be careless or an unwatchful after our own spirit, nor the spirits of others, like our children, like our family. We can't be careless. We can't just be a you know, paddling on down the stream, you know, row, row, row your boat, yeah, down the stream, just living life like it's a dream. Careless and carefree, happy, happy. Jesus loves me, this I know, and just always rejoicing, thinking everything's just wonderful. And that's where you live your life without realizing what's going on around. Can't do that. Got to be awake and aware, watchful. Jesus said over and over and over, watch, watch, watch and pray. 
I'm warning you. I've told you before. I believe that applies to everything. Not just the end times and the Antichrist and all of that. Watch. you got to watch. Now, we should do all we can to keep the objects that the devil uses out of our sight and the sight of our children. Now, let me tell you something here, and I hope you'll listen to this and get the right idea. There's no black magic power or anything like that in inanimate objects. Somebody sent me a box of voodoo dolls here a while back because I preached on superstition, you know. I laughed at them and laughed at them. Finally, I threw them in the fire. You know, they didn't scream or anything. I didn't feel any knives stabbing me or anything like that. Bunch of junk. But Christians sometimes they don't think spiritually. They they're when we talk about these things, you know, evil spirits and spiritual warfare and all that. They're thinking like all this crazy kooky stuff. That's not what I'm talking about. But we ought, you know, imagery and music and stories that suggest things to the mind are what the devil uses to pry the doors open with. It's not seeing a picture, you know, but it could be. Because if it can suggest thoughts to a, to a mind. You say, well, I'm old enough to help, but what about your little children? Do you remember seeing pictures or movies or TV shows when you were a child that scared the living daylights out of you? Yes, I do. I still remember that. It terrified me seeing those things. Well, that's, that's the door the devil's got into the mind of a child. They'll keep you up at night crying because they're scared. Mm-hmm. Now I can tell you what that is. And you need to realize that. Now, stories, even stories. What about these nursery rhymes? What about all this? Did you ever listen to the words of the nursery rhymes that everybody recites all the time? Did you ever do a little research and find out where that came from? But we think they're just harmless fun and we just teach them to our kids and sing them to our kids and everything else. But a little kid listens to the words. Words are a big thing to a little kid when he can start communicating with them and understanding them. I'm just saying. We're not careful. We're not watchful. We're just pretty careless. Pretty unbelieving when it comes to this matter. We just think everything's going to be alright no matter what we do. There's just a few things you got to watch for, you know. I mean, don't let any nudity or any cussing or anything like that on the TV, but you always do anyway. I mean, there it is for you. You can stop it. <laughs> and that's not the most dangerous things. Boy, listen, I'm telling you, all this Disney movie junk, especially these new ones, are so full of the devil that it is unbelievable to me that people claim to be Christians and have the Holy Ghost living in them and go to church and say they love God and say they understand the Bible and they watch that and they don't see the wrong in that. 
Mercy! <laughs> this frozen business, that's some of the worst I've ever seen. I seen the other day where Superman's gay now. Yeah. You think that's not affecting the children? You're in for a big surprise. Just wait another 10, 15 years if we're still here. We should be watchful about changes in behavior and attitudes. First, in ourselves. Now, we're dealing with the roots of this matter here. Changes in behavior. First, in ourselves. You ought to be able to recognize when you're not yourself. You're not being yourself. In our children, watch for changes in their behavior. Be, be watchful about that. It's a red flag. It's a red light shining, blinking, saying something wrong, something wrong, something going on here in their mind. Oh, it's just their hormones. No, it ain't their hormones. Maybe they're, maybe we need to feed them some different kind of food. No, that ain't the problem. It's what's going on in their mind. That's what changes behavior. Something is going on in the mind when attitudes and moods and behavior changes and becomes troubling and disturbing. Something going on. Well, we just want to slap them and say, straighten up. Cut it out. Quit doing like that. Quit being like that. That don't solve the problem. Because you're not even hitting the target. You're not even in the same stadium where the game's going on. The devil's playing the game with your child or your wife or your husband or your friend or family without you. You're not even involved. We should be watchful about sudden interest in unusual things. Obsession of the mind with certain things or people or places or subjects. You're listening to me. It's evidence that something is going on in the mind of that person. <laughs> I don't see nobody, very few of you taking notes, but boy, listen, you better, you better listen to this stuff. They're being influenced and they're yielding their mind to those things and not exercising full control over their own thoughts. They're being manipulated in their mind by something. Somebody, some force, something. Where's the battle? Where's the spiritual battle? In the mind. That's right. It's a secret place. It, it's the same with children. It's the same with adults. It's the same with men, women, everybody. This is where the struggle, the battle, the contest is fought. And it's where it's won or lost in the mind. We should do all we can to teach our children from the time we realize they can think, to think on the things God tells us to think on. Did you hear me? From the time that you realize they're thinking, you need to teach them to think on the things that God tells us to think on. What does God tell us to think on? 
I'm glad you asked. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 sums it all up. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Now, first, how you teach children to think like it? By your own example. First and foremost, example is the strongest influence. How you teach them to think right? You think right. And don't you let them see you thinking wrong. Thinking evil. I've been wanting to preach on that for two years. Think no evil. Doesn't say speak. Think no evil. By our own example, by not allowing the children to see us worrying, fretting, fearing, doubting, but believing. We want them to see us believing, trusting, praising the good God who is in control of the universe. That's what we want them to see. They see us doing that they will much more likely think the same way. They'll be strengthened against the devil who's offering them another choice and you don't even know about it. Second, by teaching them good things and not bad. You teach them good, not evil. <laughs> what does it say about that wife, that virtuous woman? About her, how she do her husband? Good and not evil all the days of her life. We just teach them the good. Feed their minds with good, not evil. That's good advice for all of us. I've been rebuked by that myself. Don't talk about it. Don't focus on Don't say, look at her. Show them the good. Show them the good. Get them to think about the good. Don't point, don't point out the evil. They're already, their mind's already tempted enough, towed away enough, being spoken to enough. Everything in this ungodly world is promoting evil. Everything you look at, everything they hear, look at, see in this world is promoting evil, excusing it, justifying it, telling them the same thing the devil told Eve. It won't hurt you. It's good. You'd enjoy it. Don't you want to know what it's like? So don't show them the evil. Show them the good. You overcome evil with good. That's the way it works. According to the Word of God. Just teach them good. Feed their minds with good and not evil. Now, if we present evil to their mind for their consideration... Just remember that the devil has access to their mind also and he will advocate for the evil and they'll make the choice for themselves without our knowledge. Oh, there's so much that I thought about tonight and all of this and there's so many different things in the Bible that confirm it to me. But I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the clock. What do we do when we realize they've made the wrong choice and have been deceived by the devil and he already has, or he is, setting up a stronghold in their mind. Then what do we do? 
Well, first of all, again, we got to realize what's really going on and deal with it accordingly. You know, if we walk in the counsel of this ungodly world and we swallow the lies that we're just really chemical reactions and brainwaves, that's what we are, and we can control all of that with drugs and pagan religious practices. Mercy. I read this morning, I was looking at this hell thing and it was about uh, psoriasis and, and arthritis. And it said, ten things you can do to help. You know what they were? I ain't going to... It was all the biggest bunch of junk that you ever heard. And what was that one phrase they said? Guided guided image or imagery. Yeah, I think it was. Guided imagery. You know what that is? You just imagine in your heart. Just like I've told you over and over. That's what psychos, head shrinks and all them. That's their main tool is get you to sit around and pretend. You know, turn the volume up, turn the volume down. Run it backwards and then run it forwards. I've read all that garbage. That's all they got to offer. And if you follow that route and listen to them, that bunch of ungodly, reprobate minds, you're going you're gonna to fail in an epic way with the kids and with your own soul too. If we walk in the counsel of the ungodly world and swallow their lies. Now, if we realize it is the battle between good and evil that's going on here. I'm saying, what are we going to do when we realize they've made the wrong choice? Our children, our wife, our husband, somebody else that we know. We need to realize this is what the world is. All of those around us, that's the condition they're in. The devil has deceived them. The devil has ensnared them. And they're, I mean, they're caught in his snare because they've believed his lies. What are we going to do? Well, we've got to realize that it is the battle between good and evil, between God and Satan. What do we, what do, we do mostly? And what does everybody do? Well, they look at them and they try to hear their story and figure out just where they went wrong and whose fault it was. And they had a terrible mom and dad and a terrible home life. And then, the, you know, then they got on drugs and boy, the people that was around then, it just, and we just excuse and explain everything away in carnal terms and physical uh, excuses for a spiritual cancer. So we've got to realize it's a battle between good and evil. It's between God and Satan. And this soul is being contended for. Then we'll seek help from God. We've got to realize again and again and again that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 4. We just got to read that over and over and over. I've read it to you so many times through all of this. But it is just basic, basic fact. The next verse, uh, 5, says, Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. Man, that's just exactly what we need. That's what we're talking about. The fight in the mind. And the fight in the child's mind. The adult's mind. It's those imaginations. It's what's going on there. And it also says, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. This is what the weapons of our warfare do. They accomplish. They hit the target. I mean, they go right to the problem. 
and deal with it. It don't happen very often because we don't believe that right there and we don't put it into practice. The devil has lied and he must be countered with the truth. Having your loins girt about with truth. Somebody has believed a lie. So somebody must believe the truth. How are we going to counter it? How are we going to fight it? How are we going to resist? With the truth. How do you resist lies? With the truth. Now, beseech Jesus. Here's what you can do. You can call on Jesus. Beg Him. Beg the Son of God to cast the devil out like that Syrophoenician woman. I read that today in Mark 7. The daughter that was possessed with the devil wasn't even with her. She just came to the Lord on the road and He wouldn't even answer because she wasn't a Jew. But she kept on until finally he, He said, okay. And the devil left that child immediately even though Jesus wasn't even there. It was her prayer, I mean her petition with Christ. You can do that. You can cry out to God. You know He can do it, don't you? I mean, do you believe that He can deliver? Read your Bible. He did it. One of the main things He did was cast out devils. Now we think, nah, we need drugs. We need a doctor. We need a shrink. No, you need Jesus. He's the only one who can deal with these kind of problems. Some of you read the letter I got Sunday. Y'all ought to read it. Get them to Jesus somehow, some way. Mark chapter 9, verse 17 through 19. And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, this is when Jesus came down off of the mountain where he'd been with Peter, James, and John, and they'd built the tabernacles up there, and Jesus was glorified in front of them. They come down off the mountain, and the first thing they encounter is this right here. One of the multitude answered and said, Master, I brought unto thee my son, which hath a, a dumb spirit, and wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth, and gnashes with his teeth, and pineth away. And I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. And he answered him and saith, O oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? What does he say next? Anybody know? Bring him to me. There's your answer right there. What I do? Bring him to Jesus. Don't go to some preacher that brags about casting out devils. He's a phony. Jesus can do it. You just get him to Jesus. See, we do have options. We do have weapons. There is something to be done if you'll just believe. Here's the next thing Jesus said in verse 23. He said, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to them that believe it. To him that believe it. <laughs> this man, he's up too because even though he said, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. With tears he said that. He, was, he knew what was wrong and he knew where to go with it. There's one thing left. Believing. Jesus said, if thou canst believe. Because the man had said, if thou canst do anything, please help us. Jesus said, no, if is in the wrong place here. 
It's not if I can do anything. It's if you can believe. If you can trust it me. If you can trust this to me, I can do something about it. I will do something about it. You ever see Jesus walk away and leave somebody devil-possessed, foaming and thrashing about and saying, Matt, can't do nothing with him. No. Believing that Jesus can deliver them and getting him to Jesus is the key. Now then in verse 27 of that chapter, and you know, the disciples later, they said, why couldn't we cast him out? And he said unto them, this kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. Well, I think a lot of people have misunderstood that. It's not the act of fasting and praying, but the fact that fasting and praying brings you closer to God and fellowship with Christ. Jesus had just been on the mountain with 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 Moses and Elijah and and the glory of God, you know, had God had spoken and said, "Is my son, my son?" You know, get it. They had just come down off the mountain and the glory of God. Before we can hope to see a devil vacate the place, we, we must be full of God and His Spirit ourselves. That's the key right there. Fasting and praying just as an act or a performance won't do anything. That has no power. Go back to Isaiah. Which chapter is it? 58? Is it 58 about the fast? Go look in Isaiah about this is the fast. You'll see what a fast, that a real fast accomplishes when God is in it. And it's for the right reasons and it's done the right way. So, I promise to be quick and finish and be done. So, I'm pretty much done. I just want you to If you could just see the truth of this. If you could just see the truth and connect it. And and live according to this truth and this understanding. This is not crazy. This is not out in the fringes. This is basic 101. I mean, <laughs> Christianity 101. Ain't no strange thing about this. It's just been ignored until the church is full of devils and every home is full of devils and the devil, this is his hour and the power of darkness because he's got free reign because there's nobody even recognizing that it's him. It's us. It's in our genes. It's, you know, it's just us. It's in our, it's just what we're doing that's wrong. I mean, We've got all the plans and all there's seminars and there's all kinds of teaching and books and everything. How to, how to, how to have joy, how to pray, how to do this, how to do that, how to build a big church, how to win souls. <gasps> and I've never read one that had anything to do with this subject here. They ignore the devil completely. And the devil's good at cloaking. You know what I mean? Yes. Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no marvel if his ministers be transformed into the ministers of righteousness. But he, he can pretend. And he can deceive and do a good job of it. And ain't nobody looking deep enough. Ain't nobody watchful. 
There's nobody sensitive about real evil. Sin and what it is and how it happens and why and all of that. I've been in church for 45 years. And the churches that I were in where people thought they really preached against sin here, well, you know, it was chewing and smoking and cussing and, you know, dancing and playing cards and drinking. and Boy, I really preach against sin. No, missed the mark completely. All that sin, sinful things, but it's the physical manifestation of sin. The devil done wallered them around all over the place before they started doing that stuff. Nobody shot any arrows at that target. Just let it fester and, and ferment and grow until it just boils out all over everything. Then they say, oh, that's wrong right there. Uh, Let's pray. Father, thank You for the Word of God and for the truth. Oh, Lord, help us, I pray. Pray this would go deep into our understanding and hearts and minds and that we wouldn't forget it. And Lord, that it would be something we'd look at and remember daily in our lives in our own self, our own heart, mind, soul, and spirit, that we would be watchful and keep our spirit, guard our spirit, and and watch for those that are in our care also and deal with it properly in a godly way with wisdom, with understanding and knowledge in the matter. Lord, help us to be good soldiers for Jesus Christ in this. Help us, Lord, to arm up and uh, and and do a and fight a good fight of faith. Bless it, Lord, our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen.